Hello and welcome to the Gold Coats and Guns Market Report for today, Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Uh, my name is Tom Luongo and we have a lot to talk about. Uh, uh, not a lot of housekeeping this morning, uh, just to let you know. Uh, I think today is probably the first time in quite a while that I'll actually have almost some clear hours. Uh, I'm not going to do any further live streaming or anything like that today. I have an interview with Turd Ferguson in the morning. Uh, I'm going to do this market report. I'm going to try and work on a on a public blog post uh, about what I think is going on. Most of what I just I live streamed about last night, what I think Putin's strategy is and what his next uh, his next chess moves are in Ukraine. And then I'm going to kind of turn everything off for a few hours because I really need to, to jack out of this. We have a lot to do. We have a lot to cover this morning. Uh, I want to thank all the new patrons. They're coming in at a very steady stream. I guess war is good for business, and people are looking for answers, and I hope I can give them to you. Um, if this is your first time in Fight Club, please stay all the way to the end until you're, even if you don't really care about capital markets, it's really important that you learn how to read charts because the marriage of capital markets and geopolitics is what actually is the cheat codes to understanding how this world works. Once you get that, once you, once you push, put all that together, that's when you can be free. And that's when, honestly, you can graduate from what I do. And that is my goal here. My goal is to teach you how to fish. It is not to give you fish. All right, let's get started. Same as Sunday. Normally, for the new people, there would be three very snarky, rhyming talking points on the side. There is only one. But honestly, there's a couple of big things I need to talk about. Okay, the first things first is I read, um, I just saw a report from Southfront saying that the, um, and Southfront's been surprisingly, um, uh, been surprisingly balanced in their coverage. It's not. It's not been you know, uh, ridiculously pro-Russian. Actually, they've been they've been quite critical of how the Russians have, have uh, prosecuted the war so far. So it was very good to see the report that they put out this morning about um, the change on the ground in uh, in Ukraine. It looks like some new tactics are being um, employed by the Russians. They're much harsher than they were previously. It looks like they were kind of tiptoeing in for the first five days. And there was uh, a lot of just bad decisions made by commanders on the ground. That has changed. Uh, civilians are now who civilians who pick up Molotov cocktails and AK-47s and attempt to derail Russian armor are no longer being ignored. They're being wiped out. And that will end the civilian um, resistance pretty quickly. But it's going to be pretty ugly uh, for the first few days. And you're going to expect to see all of that on the news. So the uh, the propaganda war is going to intensify against Russia. I tweeted out this morning that the first rule of this war is that the more the Russians achieve their uh, military operational goals in Ukraine, the more strident and ridiculous the propaganda will become. Uh, it is, but this is still a war between globalists or a war picked by globalists. It's their fight. It's not ours. Putin's just waging it on our behalf. And I'm firmly convinced of that. Now, that being said, we have a major, a couple of major um, advancements here. The first thing is Doug McGregor was on Trey Gowdy's show last night on Fox News. Alex Christoforo did an, a really nice video on it. I tweeted it out, and it's in, and somebody mentioned it in our private Slack server this morning, so I saw, that's where I saw it. It's on Odyssey. It's also been reposted on my Odyssey channel, so you can find it there. Um, the The segment with McGregor is clear-headed, it's short, and it's brilliant. Um and he goes through the, uh, and I think Alex goes through the double cauldron strategy that um, 
is being employed to carve Ukraine into pieces, which supports what McGregor uh, is saying about the uh, the Russians' operational goals, all of which is stuff that you've heard me talking about for the last week. Um, and so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to, uh, to write an article that kind of describes what it was that I said on Sunday, <laughs> which is that I think Ukraine is being intended to become a meat grinder for the Russians to get bogged down in. You know, Hillary's already called it Afghanistan, blah, 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 blah. And what they don't understand is that Putin is turning it into a decision point for all of Europe. And it could potentially be the meat grinder that breaks the European Union. And I'm going to write about that today. And we're going to, and you guys already know my position on this for the most part. I haven't, maybe not talked about it in the market reports, but I certainly have talked about it in the live streams. And I'll have a blog post out this afternoon to um, try and put all that into into focus since I don't actually have any talks today and I'm going to skip game night again. So, because uh, Camille needs my time. So, um, the big news of the day beyond the advances being made on the ground by the Russians by now deploying drones and striking back against civilians on, on the ground. And, you know, he gave the, they gave them, you know, four or five days to lay down their arms and now they're going to get, you know, now they're going to get the boot. Like, you're an enemy combatant now. That's, that's the way it is. We gave you the opportunity to leave. Uh, apparently, from what I've also hear is that uh, in that Southfront report, before I get to the big news, which is really big, um, that the Ukrainians are actually shooting at civilians who are trying to leave the cities of Kharkiv and Kiev. That is the sign of a very desperate group of people. This... The military part of this war is going to be over very soon. All right, I'm going to read a full statement from the Russian finance ministry that came from Eric Jung, uh, a, a Twitter mate of mine, and now actually um, a, uh, a patron, which is great to see that Eric's part of the fold because he's quite a savvy guy. And he found this this morning from the Russian finance ministry. Today, when buying a bar gold bar at a bank, the value-added tax, or VAT, of goods in the amount of 20% is paid. Now, remember, this is a machine translation of a Russian document. The reverse operation, the sale of an ingot back to the bank, does not imply a refund of the paid VAT, which makes transactions with gold unprofitable for citizens. Against the backdrop of an unstable geopolitical situation, investing in gold will be an ideal alternative to buying dollars. The American currency is more volatile, subject to various kinds of risks. Because of this, it cannot compete with precious metals. Russian finance minister Anton Tsiolanov said the price of gold is subject to short-term fluctuations however in the long term investments show their profitability in this regard the finance ministry of russia has prepared a positive opinion on the draft law developed by the deputies of the state duma which provides for the abolition of vat on gold for individuals translation gold has just been remonetized in russia it can now be held as a currency at par and trade at par with the russian ruble you can translate you can convert your rubles into gold this is exactly what martin armstrong implied the other day when he said he talked about domestic or remonetization of gold i tweeted out and he retweeted i quoted and he retweeted which was kind of cool i think it might be the first time martin and i have actually or at least his staff whoever runs his twitter account have actually uh, interacted at that level uh, it was absolutely the most salient point he's made, mostly all week. I, Martin's been on top of a lot of good issues, and he's, all of his, his blogs have been good, but that was the big insight. 
the Russians were always going to re-monetize gold for the domestic market in order to stabilize the situation with the ruble versus the dollar and foreign currencies. Because look, yes, there are a lot of Russian corporates right now that are, you know, trying to figure out how they're going to pay for gold and how they pay for their, their, their imports and pay for, you know, doing business. Right. That's going to be difficult for them. There's no doubt about that. Chinese will step in and supply dollars where they can. It's going to be a couple of days. But remember, one of the things I, I try to remind people all the time about this is that, look, business is not done on a cash basis, right? Like, really? You send an invoice in, it's, you know, an implied net 30 basis, meaning pay me in 30 days. Like, I, you know, for example, when I send an invoice into Newsmax for articles I've written for them, I don't expect to get paid, you know, from the moment I send the invoice in. Like, that's not what's going to happen. Like, you know, the... the What's going to happen is, you know, that's going to get processed. And eventually within, you know, the next 30 days, then I'm going to get a deposit into my, uh, into my bank account. That's what happens. It's business is done on a net 30 basis. Generally speaking, basically everything is done on 30 days worth of, you know, unform informal credit. Well, you know, what actually has to happen in a situation like this is that long-term suppliers that have been doing business with each other for years and trust each other will go from a net 30 to a net 60 or net 90 basis. So, so much of what's happened so far is just the shock and awe and the, the, the psychological break of, oh my God, they did X. What do we do? We're at war. Oh my God. And everybody panics. And that's the normal run of affairs. If the state is smart and doing exactly what... Honestly, what Putin is doing here in a sense is he's actually doing exactly what my favorite president, James Buchanan, did during the Panic of 1857. He deployed specie in that, at that point silver to the local state banks in order to liquefy the local economy while the financial markets all melted down and the banks all closed and had to figure out what they're going to do with each other and how they're going to write all their liabilities off of against each other like, <laughs> while they worked it out. Um, hmm. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Putin's handling a, uh, the ultimate currency crisis against the bad guys the way an Austrian would. Because that's the way, I mean, the Austrians are the only ones who praise Buchanan for how he handled the, 18, the Panic of 1857, because he did exactly what he should have done, which is liquefy the local economy, make sure it has plenty of, 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 uh, of currency, and then let everybody else, you know, let everybody else hang. Let the bankers hang. Now, he's not letting the bankers hang here. He's obviously going to support the banks, but by remonetizing gold, he actually allows the banks to be the conduits for the gold-ruble trade, and therefore, they get rubles on their balance sheet. They, the, the gold gets, moves out into the economy. Gold dealers, domestic gold dealers in Russia, are going to do booming business. They're going to get rubles. They're going to turn around and you know, deposit them in their banks. The banks are going to get the deposits. Like... This is your big news of the day, people. Russia just remonetized gold for the domestic market. And it won't matter what the international price of the ruble is at that point. It won't be it cannot be used as a propaganda tool to create more bank runs. There was a terrible article last night on Zero Hedge about the potential de technical default of Russia on their um, ruble bonds held overseas or OFZs held overseas. Yeah, they, they can't make the payments because everything's been frozen. And somehow the Russians get to have to bear the burden of being in technical default. Excuse me, um, this happens. You take the risk. It's exactly what I said yesterday in the morning munchings about Gazprom. 
anybody still holding Gazprom as of Friday is going to be, you know, you're going to be stuck. You may be stuck in that position for a long time until the sanctions are lifted, until we're allowed to trade Russian stocks again. You know, I saw I saw quotes for Suburbank, ADRs of Suburbank on the, you know, in Europe, at a penny, a share. Like, who isn't picking up Suburbank at a penny a share? I even talked to, I was talking to Dexter yesterday. He's like, I'm not really sure I want to buy Gazprom, but I, dude, I want rubles. I'm like, yeah, good luck finding any. You might find some on eBay. Like, it's crazy. They have cocked up the markets thinking that they can create this, they can create panic and that they'll use that to overthrow Putin. That's not going to happen. Putin just remonetized gold. Everything will calm down very quickly. Mark my words. China will come in with currency swaps to ensure that there's enough to handle everything. Businesses will go from a net 30 to a net 60, net 90 basis. And, you know, they'll just load up the, uh, you know, accounts receivable and accounts payables on their balance sheets. Like, it's what will happen. And then eventually that will all get taken taken care of. Like, you know, people are not dumb. They know how to deal with this stuff. And it will happen. And, and the bigger issue is what... Um, one of our uh, our members was asking about the, another article on Zero Hedge, which was the big one yesterday, and I, I encourage everybody to read them read this one. And I think I'll, I'll make sure I put a link to it in the description uh, to this video. That you read the fact that the market in oil is drying up, that no one wants to do business with the Russians, and over you know I don't want to buy the Russian oil because they're afraid that tomorrow the you know they may get stuck with a tank a tanker load of Russian oil that they're not allowed to sell when they get to port. The Russians are responding by, you know, going into, you know, turning, you know, their, uh, their, their business from, uh, you know, hey, you can, you, you know, from pickup at the Chinese restaurant to DoorDash will deliver, you know, your oil to your door. Like, that's the difference between free on board, which is basically you call in the order and then show up and you pick it up. You pick up the, your order at the Chinese restaurant and bring it home as opposed to, and that's what free on board means. And then the other basis, I don't know, CFB or whatever it is, is that, look, now we'll just deliver it to you. And the Russians have, you know, an insurance market deep enough and liquid enough to be able to insure their uh, their tankers. Unlike what Iran went through, Iran had to develop uh, their own insurance industry to when Trump put the full sanctions on them in 2017 or 2018. 2018, um, you know, they cut the Iranian banks out of everything so they couldn't even so people wouldn't even insure iranian tanks of oil tankers of oil so the iranians had to develop their own insurance market in order to be able to get entice customers to show up and you know insure the the, the shipment well the russians already have that in place they have a much more developed market than that and at the same time you don't think that the chinese are not going to be willing to step up and provide insurance for russian oil tankers at this point of course they will so let's not, let's put away childish things. All of these sanctions are, for the most part, silly. And they're going to boomerang very badly on the West. And that's going to create an even greater, um, greater impetus for this war to end once we get to the decision point. Now, the decision point is going to be when the Russians achieve almost all of their military objectives in Ukraine which is going to be the, the trapping of most of the UAF forces on the eastern part of Ukraine in the cauldron on the Donbass. I should really have a map up this morning, but I don't. Um, and then after that, 
cut and so basically draw a line. So look at a map of Ukraine, you draw a line down from Kharkiv down to Mariupol, and that, that's where they can trap like a third or a half of the Ukrainian army. And then draw another um, uh, another line down from Odessa up towards Belarus, and that's a second cauldron that they can then create, a, a larger cauldron. Again, Alexander Christoforo went over this um, very succinctly in a video he did. He got it from the Saker. I'm, we're all reading the same sources, and we're all seeing the same things. I saw all of this coming. I mean, Dexter and I came planned this out from a military strategy point on Sunday. Right? And I didn't talk about all of this, but I, I could see all of this coming because it's very obvious. The whole point was Odessa is, gonna, is going to flip and just declare itself independent probably in the next 48 to 72 hours. Maybe, you know, I, I've been saying that for a couple of days now. I really do think it's going to happen very soon. It's going to happen sometime this week. Once Mariupol is taken care of and we're up mop-up operations in most of the cities and the cauldron uh, has the cauldron in the east is formed, everything else should basically take care of itself. When that happens, the decision will be in front of the European Union. Do they accept um, Ukraine into the EU? And you know, Zelensky wants it, the, the WEF wants it, all of the major players in the, you know, all the WEF you know, suck-ups in the European Union want it whether or not they can pull it off or not. But if they do, let's just a game plan that they do. Let's, let's, and then what do they do at that point? So, well, Russia, you, this Ukraine is now part of the European Union. You have to, and, and if you don't leave, you're at war with us. Like you guys don't just change the rules. You just like signed a piece of paper and all of a sudden you think this is reality now. Like, I don't care. This treaty doesn't mean a damn thing. Like we don't even, we're not recognizing this. And I don't care what you say. Okay, they're part of the group now. That's nice. We, we had a standing condition here you inserted yourself into the standing condition so it's your territory come defend it that's what's going to happen oh by the way the Finns did not vote for nato accession yesterday it quietly no one talked about it oh well you know we have a lot more discussion to do about that uh-huh <laughs> yeah so also, uh, Lukashenko in Belarus announced that he's not going to get uh, militarily involved. That's another signal to say, well, because the Russians have everything in hand. Um, and uh, yeah, again, again, we keep seeing all of these reports and late in the day of, oh, this country is going to send fighter planes or this country is going to send javelin missiles or this one's going to do this. And then by the next morning, like the grownups wake up and go, was it the millennials right last night? No, 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 we're not doing that. That's just dumb. So... The, the next stage of this is going to be, um, I think, Putin laying down the next, uh, uh, the next layer of the, the next set of demands, and they're not going to like it. Now, at the same time, they have all declared war on him. They firmly are, are signaling in every way that they are going to destroy Russia and Milosevic him, and they're going to kill him. That may be true, but they may all be dead before they ever get a chance. If I'm right about the way I think this plays out, um, and I think that Europe is going to have a real existential uh, decision on their hands in a, in a few days, and that existential decision is, do we move in to Putin's meat grinder in Ukraine or not? Europe can't afford this. 
The United States does not want this. As much as Biden tried to rally the troops last night and say, we all need, you know, the State of the Union in the United States was, we are all now Ukrainians. From a guy who couldn't, you know, spend 20 minutes on, on stage without sundowning. This is our, this is our, uh, this is the situation in our politics. Are you kidding? Like, most of the United States does not want to fight. They do not want to see troops moved in, uh, U.S. troops going in to fight in Ukraine. It's not going to happen. If this happens, it will cause a collapse of the, of the Biden government. And I think the same thing is, is likely to happen all across Europe. And this is where their existential threat is. And this is why Putin is sitting in the driver's seat. And this is why every time they move forward one more inch, the rhetoric goes you know crazy and we see yet more headlines oh well we're banning this and we're banning that okay we're taking mariupol your move um do you want us do you want to buy oil great unsanction our banks so we can actually accept payment but again why is putin still sending gas to europe why is he still sending oil why is he still sending things? He's, he's cutting off fertilizer. He's, he's sending coal east and he's sending fertilizer south and, and all the rest of it. He's doing that. But why is the gas still flowing? Because he does not, any more than he wants to kill Ukrainian civilians, he does not want to alienate European civilians. Like Once they get past the, the, this rush of emotion, oh my God, war, and they'll realize, I don't want to fight in it. Putin hasn't shut off the gas yet. Why hasn't he shut off the gas? I would have shut off the gas. If I, was, if, if, if I were him, I would have shut off the gas. That's what everybody's saying. Why hasn't he done it? Is he an idiot? Or is he trying to calm everybody down? We have an objective. We're going to achieve that objective. And once that objective is achieved, if you don't, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's going, the facts on the ground are going to change. Now, you can accept the facts on the ground as they are. I am not responsible for your reaction. I am not responsible for your emotions. This is, it's like, it's like watching, uh, it, it's like watching, you know, um, the, the, the culture war writ large. Like, what's the biggest problem with the SJWs and the, the, the left? They feel entitled for you to be um, reactive and responsible for their emotions. That's like Whoopi Goldberg's whole thing. You're responsible for my anger. No, I'm not responsible for my anger, Whoopi. You're responsible for it. I'm So Putin is saying, we're doing this for these reasons. Well, you don't have to like them. Your response can be to do nothing, which is exactly what Doug McGregor said. We should do nothing. Jerry Gowdy's like, Why should, how can we not do something? Well, what do you mean, how can we not do something? Is it our fight? Do we get involved in every fight around the world? Why all of a sudden is Ukraine our business? Oh, it's our business because all of our politicians, unspoken, are dirty there. Because without Ukraine, the global reset can't happen. This is where globalism dies. This is the battlefield or the, the future of the freaking world. We're not responsible for your emotions for your loss of potency, and for your tactical and strategic mistakes. Ain't my problem. Ain't my first rodeo either with people. It's exactly what Putin's saying. 
I were the West, I'd be listening to them. All right, let's get to the charts to get out of here. I'm not going to do a long thing on the charts today. All right, so let's talk about gold. Um, so yeah, this bar was really, uh, last week was really distressing. We had a big spike in the price of gold up towards 1965 or something like that. And then it closed down here. As I, as I told you on Sunday, they were painting the tape for the February close to make the February close look less bullish than it was and I, honestly a bar a bar like this is a bearish bar in technical terms because it's you know we opened we opened here we went all the way up to here we went down to here and we closed here this is like this is supposed to be supposed to look like climax buying and then we should get collapsed right we also got the the close for the month below these highs in here but we still closed above the support what used to be resistance at 1875, 1880 is now support, but now we're moving higher. So this is a spasm bar and you almost in some ways want to ignore this. Okay. And just look, if you were to lop off, you know, the top 30 bucks of this bar, because it's not, not like it traded there for very long, you'd see a very clear uptrend. And so Gold is on its way to, two, if gold closes this week above 1916, we're well on our way to $2,000 an ounce, especially if we close this week and we close above the high. Last week, forget it. We're, we're going to all new all-time highs. Okay, That's where we're going. I don't have a monthly chart for you because I put it out on Sunday. That It's not important. Just know that we now we have a breakout, so we need to close March uh, above you know this 1916 area. So, all right. Silver. Uh, we have a similar bar last week in silver, but we did close up in silver and we're continuing to move higher. Silver's starting from a much weaker technical position. Um, so we have a three bar uptrend going back over this. This is important. We have a three bar uptrend here and then a one bar reversal because looking at the low of the, of the last bar in the uptrend, we close below it. So that's a reversal signal. Closing below the low, closing below the, either the low or the high, depending on you know the trend. So this is a downtrend. If we close above the last high in the last down uh, bar in the trend within two bars, that's a reversal signal. This is a two bar reversal. This is a one bar reversal of this three bar uptrend. And then we get, then we get a two bar reversal of this one bar reversal. And then we get a one bar reversal of this two bar reversal. So this is very, very volatile in here. And this collapse in silver created a situation which took a long time for silver to grind, to grind a grind higher than this. And it's taken five weeks to do so. What it means is that silver has spent an awful lot of its energy to get to here. Okay. Or it means that a whole lot of people have spent a whole lot of money trying to hold silver down from close from breaking out above 2543 an ounce. We're at the pivotal prices this morning in silver, a break, a, a break above this high and a close above this high, this price, this week, send silver back towards 28 very quickly because the 26 area is not going to matter now. Okay. Because that was an artificial issue in silver, you know, say this time last year. All right. Since the breakdown, this pattern in here is going to flip on a, on a break above 2543. And we're going to see a move up towards 28 towards back towards 30 very quickly. Okay. Bitcoin. On Sunday, I told you that this was a, that we had a relatively high quality setup this week for a reversal signal, because here's our, here's our big long downtrend in Bitcoin, and then a failed reversal here, or at least a failed breakout, a three bar reversals, taking three bars to reverse the last down bar in a trend or, or up bar in a downtrend, um, or up bar in, a, in an uptrend, three bar reversals are not reversals, they're 
they're something else. They're, you know, they're, they're three bar uptrends, right? They're not, they're harbingers of stabilization. If you can get the breakout, if you can get the close above the high here, it means that you've probably locked in the low. If you don't get it, it means that the low is still vulnerable. So we didn't get the, the, the lock-in. So Bitcoin was, was um, subject to more weakness, and we got a three-bar uptrend that did not reverse the downtrend, and then a one-bar reversal of this three-bar uptrend, meaning the, down, the overall big downtrend is still in place. But now look at where we are today. That created, because of this long tail here and, and this really strong close in Bitcoin last week, it set up a high probability scenario, 83% probability that we were going to break last week's high. We have. We've not only broken last week's high, we've broken the last two, we've broken the closes from the previous weeks, and we're now threatening these highs in here. And that's very good. Okay? So just closing above that high right there negates this entire downtrend area and locks in this double bottom not really a double bottom it's actually it's now a series of higher lows and if we can get a break um above this high here then we have established a new uptrend even if it's shallow and i'll take that okay uh and then what we then have in bitcoin is the beginnings of consolidation or we have consolidation now we have the beginnings of a new you know base from which to move higher without the threat of ever going back down towards 29 because we'll break through the 40s and then we still need a, a, a weekly close above 51,000 in order to negate all of this. So that's where we are. That's Bitcoin. Looking at the monthly chart in Bitcoin, because we had such a radical shift um, on, two, on Monday, I have a monthly chart up for Bitcoin as well. Well, same thing I'm going to tell you that I told you on Sunday, which is that here's the uptrend. This is up to the double top up here and above 60. And then we did not get a reversal signal against this bar. We closed above this above this low. So this is a three bar reversal, meaning 90% of the energy necessary to push this price down got you to here. Wasn't going to get you much farther than that. If, if this had closed down here, we would have probably seen um, a, a retest of these lows in here, but we didn't get that. And then February, we get what's called an inside bar, um, which is, a, which is a, a, har a harbinger of reversing this high here. So for March, our goal is to close above seven forty-seven nine forty-four, so forty, you know, forty-eight thousand dollars in Bitcoin, because then that would create a two-bar reversal in the monthly chart, corroborating anything that we see here on the weekly chart. What you're always looking to see is breakouts on a short time frame propagating through longer time frames. All right. Moving on. So, got some questions from people about waves, about why it broke out and it, and it exploded in the last couple of days. Um, I missed the news because I haven't, I've been so caught up with war news and everything else. I haven't really been following a lot of this stuff, but apparently Waves made a uh, announcement that they're going to um, create a blockchain met style metaverse um, and powered by the Waves token and the whole Waves ecosystem. And well, that sent, you know, that set the vid phones ringing. So as Philip K. Dick would put it. So um, there we are. And that's a nice breakout on the weekly chart in Waves. Uh, no argument. It's been caught in a brutal downtrend for months now, while the ecosystem that it's been building in, uh, in, in other tokens that are within the system, uh, within, you know, within the ecosystem have been launched, and that's put downward pressure on the price along with Bitcoin's uh, bear market. So not surprising here, but this bottoming pattern is you know, pretty, 
was this bottoming pattern was was telling you that we were getting to a point where the selling was over. So now we have another some positive momentum. I don't know how much how long that positive momentum is going to last and for how long it's going to go, but this is where we are. And then when we look at the monthly chart, we realize that waves close within 15 cents of a one bar reversal of this three bar downtrend. It closed at 16th. We needed to close for it to throw a one bar reversal. It needed to close above 1630. It closed at 1615. Still a very impressive move. So now we're trading in the 18s and the goal for this month, obviously will be to, regardless of what happens, to close above 1630. But now that you've made a move almost towards 20, it really does need to close in this 18 to 1850 area um, in order to for March's bar to be strong. Okay, so for those of you who are invested in waves, congratulations. Now let's see if we can get um, you know, the resumption of a bigger uptrend. And remember, we are talking about a token that was trading at 85 cents in you know October of, or you know August of 2020. So let's not let's not get too far ahead of ourselves in the in the grand scheme of things. You're still up at 20 bagger. <laughs> All right, I, I put up the new the, the 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 chart for crude oil. Everybody knows the crude oil is going ballistic. I just wanted to. I'm not. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to note the situation. This is the precipitating event for the ruble crisis of 2014 and, and into 2015 and 2016. Okay. When oil broke down above, down below the 115, 1, uh, 125 area, and there was a technical breakout here in the previous quarter, the end of Q2, closing above these two highs, now that I, I go back and I, I look at my, my analysis, my, my chart analysis, and I think, about, think back to what I wrote about back then, like a little naive, but I will say this, like we have a bar, we have a bar, we have an inside bar and then an engulfing bar and we close above this high. There's no real trend here, but this is a significant, this is like a, a significant thing, though we didn't get any move out of the, this consolidation, this two-year consolidation pattern. So, you know, there really was no technical signal here. And I, I, I made the mistake of thinking that this was a technical signal. I learned, I've learned a lot since 2014. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, and hopefully I have, right? So this precipitated the ruble crisis and the ruble was trading between 28 and 30 to the dollar back then. And for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, the Russians defended the ruble. And then Putin told, Putin told them to stop and allow it to free float. Fast forward to eight years later, the ruble is trading at somewhere around 110 to the dollar because of sanctions and 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 everything that's happened since then. Remember, Crimean sanctions went on. This all this occurred because in Q1, Russians reunified with Crimea. Donbass civil war, price of oil collapses into 2016. Then the Corona apocalypse continues to put downward pressure on the ruble keeping inflation high and forcing the Bank of Russia to keep interest rates high, right? This is where we are today. And Russia just remonetized gold. Really think that it's going to be, the ruble's going to be trading at 110? When oil's trading at 110? Gazprom's cost of goods sold just dropped by 30%. They pay all their operational costs in rubles, guys. They're getting paid in dollars and euros and everything else. This doesn't make any sense. 
this is how powerful economic sanctions can be to, to screw with exchange rates. But eventually, all this is doing is saying, okay, fine. We'll create a new financial architecture that is immune to your sanctions. And we'll decouple from the dollar. And the ruble dollar exchange rate has become almost irrelevant in the world. And that drives the bank, the banksters and the globalists crazy because it is manipulation of currency that is the source of their power. That they don't have that anymore. Have any power. Russia just remonetized gold for the consumption market their people okay the overseas dollar market slide for today the i took off the euro dollar futures chart because it has not really moved financial repression across um europe and the united states is in overdrive the um i i moved the u.s german 10-year spread up just i want you to know just look at the volatility this is a daily chart guys the volatility since the middle of february it's insane like the amount of financial repression that the ECB is engaging in in order to try and keep the bond markets from collapsing in price is off the charts. And every day that good news comes out of Ukraine for Russia, it's only going to make this their job harder. U.S. dollar index, as much as they tried, and they did, this is the weekly chart, they took the dollar down on Friday last week to try and keep it from, from breaking out. And what did I tell you? It was to throw a slightly bearish signal or a less bullish signal on the monthly chart which i don't have for you but you can go look that up you can go see what i'm talking about and now here we are today trading at 97.56 which is mostly on uh, euro weakness which the euro has broken down below a dollar 11. it hit a dollar 10.9 yesterday and it's at a dollar and it's probed that area again this morning when i hit record it was trading below a dollar 11. it's going to a dollar six now that means the dollar is going to go to 99. the yen is getting ready to break out above 116 to the dollar it's going to 120 or 125 or even 130. We've seen a massive rally into U.S. Treasuries. We've seen, uh, we've seen a, and I will say, we've seen a solid rally into into high quality euro debt as well, which is why these spreads are not collapsing. Because the German U.S. German yield spread should collapse once confidence in the ECB collapses and German yields start rising faster than American yields. We are into a new regime, which is between 1.6 and 1.75%, as opposed to between 1.7 and 1.9%. doesn't matter. Until this actually collapses below this 1.6 area, and we actually see the German... I'm expecting the German 10-year Bund to flip the U.S. 10-year. That's what I'm expecting. I want to see that collapse. Also, to note, um, Brent, the Brent WTI spread has collapsed to about a dollar. Okay, going back to... Going back to this slide, the, the spread between um, Brent crude and West Texas Intermediate crude has slumped to about a dollar because the demand now for uh, U.S. Uh, energy, U.S. oil and U.S. gas and, you know, U.S. gas prices are somewhat tied to the price of WTI um, and is um, creating a um, it's creating a situation where we're not going to be able to import Russian gas, uh, Russian oil. And that's going to send prices higher. It's going to shut down Gulf refineries unless we lift sanctions on Venezuela and start buying oil from Venezuela again. Um, the Canadians can't ship it down out of Canada because Obama killed the Keystone XL pipeline. So now what? Are we going to keep buying from the Russians? That's a better question. Will the Russians keep selling it to us? And will they accept our dollars? 
or will they accept gold or will they accept or will they begin the process of creating the petro ruble which is what they should have done years ago putin's big mistake was thinking that that europe wasn't the enemy he has been disabused of that notion and they are going to pay the price for their lack of vision last thing i have for you this morning is uh the dow so I'm not even putting up the weekly chart of the Dow like I normally would. I'm just putting up the monthly chart because I wanted to show you that we did get the close below this low. So this whole big long uptrend on the monthly chart in the Dow, which got very ugly in here, has been broken with a two-bar reversal. This is a two-bar monthly reversal with multiple big violations to the downside. I fully expect now with uh, this... with. The economy now on a war footing and people not sure what to do. Um, capital flight out of Europe is going to keep the Dow from collapsing completely. I expect to see a move back down towards the black line between 29 and 30 grand, I think is where the Dow is going to set up shop before blasting higher. Okay. That's what I have for you now. We're going to watch that on a weekly closing basis. But right now, we have a downtrend in U.S. stocks. Lower, lower highs and lower lows. And we have to respect that. Even though the thesis is in the long run, we're going to see the Dow go to 50 grand, but it may have to go to 29 before it goes to 50. Okay. What I have for you this morning, I'm going to cue the music and get out of here and try and get some more, get my work done early and spend some time with my, my long-suffering and well-deserving wife. You guys take care. You be well. We'll talk soon. Keep your sick on the ass. Uh -huh.